Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello and welcome to this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, John Davis, alongside my co-host and bride, Jennifer. Hey, welcome. Hey. Hey. We're filling in for your friend and ours, Bart Sheridan. Bart's away this week, and it takes two of us, it seems, to carry the ball in his absence. Uh, Back with us, though, in the podcast this week is Pastor Tim Cockrell to discuss his most recent sermon here at Grace Baptist Church. Tim, you took us to Luke 24 for Resurrection Sunday, and I had my hope in my notes, Jesus is our living hope. Friend, welcome back. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. And Jen, you know, I love hanging out with you. So glad to have you. Always a good time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So on Sunday evenings before bed, Jen, our family does our best to rally up around our kitchen island to review what each of us has learned during our time in the Word and with God's people. And this last week, uh, I was sharing with our family that uh, I'd be here with you, Tim, again uh, on the podcast and that it would be a great opportunity to ask the questions that we often ask ourselves around the kitchen island. So, uh, Jen, I roped you into joining me mainly because you're great at remembering what our kids have said, because uh, if I don't write it down, I forget, but you you have a great memory, and uh, you uh, make me look so much smarter than I really am, so <laughs> I appreciate that. I need you. Anytime. Yeah, I need you. All right, so, Jen, there was this initial burning question from our kids about Google Images and the apparent lack of the week-to-week consistency by Pastor Tim related to rock climbing, ocean views, and sunsets. What was what were they what were they asking about? Yeah, that? they were like, "Wait, Mom, Pastor Tim did not give us a Google picture of what Easter is or Resurrection Sunday." So, we said, "What, Pastor Tim? What is that about?" I know, falling down on the job. We had two weeks in a row there where it was really helpful. I know it was great, but it is actually really interesting to go to Google Images sometimes just to see how many times we gravitate towards certain visual ideas that actually reflect some pretty deep theological ideas, uh, but didn't have a good connection for us this week. <laughs> I have to be honest, I totally forgot about that. And then my kids brought it up, I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> and then we had a five minute discussion about this. It was great. And then we're like, oh, we're half, gonna have to ask them about this. Yeah, that's right. So that's we're fair. like, we know so the we're first looking question for we're asking. Next okay? Sunday, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. No pressure. Um, all right, so seriously though, uh, we, I, I think I'd like to start with Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen and I were here with the kids uh, on Friday, and some of the things that you shared with those who attend on Friday evening service, um, I think they call it the Stations of the Cross, or Catholic friends might call it the Stations of the Cross. I might not be getting that correct, but that's, it felt like kind of sense that as we walk through that, that Good Friday service. And you took us to Matthew 26, 27, and Isaiah 53 mm-hmm. uh, as attendees. We started out uh, just, just reflecting on the betrayal. And then we went to aloneness, mm. and then denial, and then mockery, right? We see that uh, before Pilate and others, and suffering. And then finally, in the right place, we ended with the crucifixion on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. But you brought forth this word, and I think I've got it right, to telestai. Mm-hmm. What is this word, and what is the significance of that moment? Absolutely. Yeah, so this is that idea of it is finished that mm-hmm. Jesus says just before he dies and in the Greek culture, this would have been a word that might've been written on a receipt after it had been paid. And so the idea there was it's been paid in full. And so when Jesus is suffering on the cross for him to say, it is finished, is not some cry of resignation, but rather a cry of victory that everything he came to do, he accomplished every, Mm. uh, you know, 
bit of guilt he has paid for. The, the punishment of God had been poured out to him. And so I think about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Mm-hmm. We believe based on what the Old Testament teaches, that cup was the cup of God's wrath, his anger. And so when he said, it is finished, he had drank that cup to its dregs. Mm-hmm. And because of that, therefore, there is no more condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And so that word is really rich with significance because it's not just an exclamation, but rather a theological explanation of what Jesus is doing there on the cross. Yeah. So as we left that service, there was an intentionality of just quietness. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an intentionality around even the, the visual of the moment, right? There was a wooden cross there and the opportunity for us to take before the Lord those things mm-hmm. um, that um, we know that we are forgiven of, but still... Um, chase after us, mm-hmm. right? Um, even the lights were just kind of quiet as we left, purposeful, mm-hmm. because Sunday is coming, right. right? So then we get to Easter morning, and you took us to Luke 24, and you asked us, asked us to consider, what difference does the resurrection make? And if my notes were correct, you nested this in an opening backdrop of how our culture is often asking, is there any hope? Mm-hmm. You even told a historical story there to kind of set the scene for that. Take us deeper into the mindset of the disciples at that moment in Luke 24 and give us an idea of what some of those parallels might be to our own hearts as we think about some of this idea of, is there hope? Mm. Yeah, I think so many times we're grasping for hope in the wake of disappointed expectations, Mm. um, unmet dreams, disillusioned ideas of what could or should be. And that leaves us really grappling with this, like, where are we going and what purpose is this serving? And so when you think about where the disciples were in this moment, they had been following Jesus for at least three years. They'd been listening to him teach. They'd been seeing him do miracles. There were these messianic expectations that were growing in their their fervor to where they're thinking at any moment here, he's going to overthrow Rome and he's going to establish himself in power to fulfill all of these prophecies of victory and freedom that we read in the Old Testament. And so suddenly when things took a dramatic turn and rather than being victorious over Rome, he is crucified by Rome. Mm. Rather than being welcomed by the people as their king, they're crucified as, as a common criminal there's this disequilibrium, if I can maybe use that word, that nothing is fitting the way that I thought it was going to. And so how many times do we face that in our lives too, you know, where we have hopes that I'm going to marry that person while I'm young, or I have hopes that we're going to have a big family, or I have hopes that this job is going to be everything that I hoped it would be. And then suddenly life happens in ways that just don't make sense to me. Or, or there's a sudden loss, or there's a health difficulty, or there's chronic pain. In the wake of those disappointed expectations, so many times we're grappling for what do I look to and cling to that are that's going to give me some sense of hope in the midst of this difficulty. Yeah, and in that part of the passage there, Luke twenty four, their eyes were blinded. Mm-hmm. What help us think through that? Because you were trying to unpack that for us on Sunday morning, and. I, 
And sometimes you just don't have the time to do that. But now you do. Right. Unpack some of that for us. Sure. I mean, to the extent that we can, you know, I think it's just really interesting that Jesus intentionally prevents them from recognizing Mm -hmm. him as the, the risen Christ. And I think the reason for that is because he wants to bring them to Scripture first and foundationally. I think even some of the ways that we see Scripture used in the book of Acts is a reflection of his exposition of the Old Testament, you know, likely then communicated to the other disciples. And so what Jesus wants more than them to have just some exciting experience of the resurrected Christ is to have a deep understanding of of the resurrected Christ, because that's where they really begin to resolve some of these struggles and these questions they're having of why would God allow this? What is he doing in the midst of this? And that as he puts these Old Testament pieces together, the big picture begins to come into focus. But that only happens because he temporarily blinds their physical eyes so that he can awaken this sense of spiritual awareness. Yeah. Jen, there's a, a question our kids asked um, regarding about living out the resurrection. What Do you remember exactly what that was? I think they were just talking about how how can we keep that in front of us and not just at Easter time. And so that was something that we talked about, just making Christ being alive always present and not just we celebrate it once a year. Mm, that's such a good point. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is by just recognizing how the resurrection is already infused to some of the rhythms that we do as Christians. I, I think we do sometimes make the mistake of assuming, well, well, Easter's when we celebrate the resurrection, and then the rest of the year we kind of just do the Christian life. Well, the whole reason we gather on the first day of the week is because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. And so even just keeping that in mind that as the, the beginning of each week comes on Sunday, we have a fresh start and we have new life because of the resurrection. I even think about the Lord's Supper that we, uh, we observe here twice a month. You know, Jesus says, as often as you do these things, you remember me. Mm-hmm. Not just his death, because that wouldn't in and of itself give us any hope, but also his resurrection. And, and we do that until he comes again, which reminds us that we serve a living and a risen Savior. And then I think theologically, we have to remember that the resurrection of Christ is actually the root of our new creation in Christ. And so as we have the power of the resurrection living in us to have victory over sin, to walk out our new identity, you know, Paul says in Philippians chapter three, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's just not talking about some type of of supernatural physical power. Mm -hmm. That's talking about a spiritual power to resist temptation, to overcome hardships, to persevere in the midst of suffering. And so I think the more we connect the resurrection to our everyday Christian lives, the more we begin to understand the richness of what those passages teach us that show us this new resurrection life is what empowers us to obey Christ. Mm. Okay, so we're going to take a slightly different direction, but this this ties into the way in which... um, God has gifted you in your teaching and helping us who are listening and learning under your teaching. So there's this debate in our house, and it's fully my fault. <laughs> um, because I think you're intentionally using what I'll call cleverly placed Easter eggs each Sunday when you preach <laughs> to help us remember what you're you're trying to, to teach and the truths of God's Word. And I will acknowledge there may be some in my home who think I'm crazy, and I'm not naming names, JDs, but you know who you are. So let me give you some examples from this last week that I heard, 
and I looked at my kids and like, no, dad, but I, I'm going to give you some examples. Mm-hmm. I just, I just need some affirmation here or just I'm crazy. Okay. <laughs> so you used uh, the phrase, the cross before the crown, biblical explanation before biblical revelation, unless I got that wrong. At the moment, God seems most distant. He is most powerfully present. And the idea of the fog of doubt and despair. So you're using these mnemonic devices, which I'm hearing. It could just be me. Or are these intentional efforts on your part uh, to help us remember these truths about God's Word? For sure, they're intentional. And yes. and I want to just say, wow. so many times, they're being drawn from any number of different sources. So, so I, I want to acknowledge that. So for instance, Tim Keller, I think, was the first place that I saw the idea of the cross before the crown. And it just was, was such a helpful phrase for me. And so that's one of the things as I'm preaching, sometimes it's hard to know how do I properly attribute, hey, these aren't all original thoughts. I just want you to know I'm, I'm listening. Okay. Well, I My appreciate My family, it. on the other hand, you know, I don't know I was trying. Doing. All I, this Sunday, I really was trying. I was like, he's like, Jen, you have to hear this. I'm like, listen, soon telling. He's like, did you hear that one? I'm like, I'm not hearing it. But he heard everyone and he made sure that Jacob on one side and I on the other was like, did you catch that one? That's right. Like, That's right. See, no. this is me, you know, doing my fatherly responsibility to share for my family. Well, I think it, it actually brings out a really great point and that yeah. is that everybody learns differently. Yeah. You know, so there are times where we'll use kind of visual aids or, mm. or uh, kinesthetic learning uh, ideas because there are some people that are just experiential learners and as they hear things or see things that are tangible that helps them kind of cement ideas. There are other people that are more auditory learners that as they hear certain phrases, that just sticks with them. Mm -hmm. And that as they go through life, that just phrase will resonate with them. Other people are are more visual learners, which is why sometimes the outline is helpful for them to see, okay, I'm, I'm beginning to see how these things all fit together. But all of these are efforts ultimately to help us unpack what God's word has to say. And those are are the method, but not the message in and of themselves. This may be marital counseling right here. <laughs> this, this may be a oh, moment no, no, no. where I, you, I suddenly realize this is how you can reach me. I need I need phrases like the fog of doubt and despair. And I'll be like, I got it. I get it. I got it. I Just understand. Just put alliteration together. Th- right. That's you know, exactly right. A little and extra I'll, I'll letters be all that go good. together. I'll be, I'll be all good. Note to self. So how can we be better hearers of the word then as you're teaching? Apart from those things that you're intentionally doing, what are ways in which we can prepare our hearts as we come into Sunday so that we're hearing the words of the Lord as you unpack it? What are some, what are just some practical things that we should be thinking about Yeah, be better hearers of the word? I think just foundationally coming into a service with the expectancy that we are going to hear from the Lord, mm-hmm. that as we sing to him as we have scripture reading, as we have a time of pastoral prayer, and then obviously as we have a message from God's word, that God has something to say to us. And so we cultivate a posture of humility and expectancy, that there's a sense of of teachability that says, there's probably some things that are going to expose aspects of my heart that I'd rather not admit to. Or there may be be some things that I, I struggle with or am inclined to resist that I think just coming in with the understanding that I need to hear what God has to say to me and that I don't do that only in isolation, but I also do that in community. And I think the way that you're describing, you know, what you're doing as a a family practice is such a helpful picture of that ABFs, small groups. I would just really encourage our church family that God intends for us to, to work out and live out these truths in community. Because even as we've talked about differences of learning styles, we have different strengths that allow us to together understand God's truth as well as put it into practice. All right. I think I have to start to end the end the podcast right about now. But Jen, you had a, a really good question that you brought up in our, our roundtable at home. 
And that was around uh, Tim's use of the word Christological. Yeah. So on Sunday, John's like, all right, Jen, pay attention to anything <laughs> not, you don't I'm not, understand. I'm not that bad. Go no, on. no. But be, knowing we're going to do this podcast, he's like, Jen, it, yeah. see if there's anything that jumps out to sure. you that you don't understand. Because if you don't understand it, more than likely someone else isn't going to understand it. Mm-hmm. So Christological. I was like, this is what he said, right? So I'm sure I've heard this word when I went to Cedarville. And in my time here is grace. But can you tell me exactly what does that mean? Sure. A little bit better? Absolutely. So just like theological would be the study of things related to God. Christological would be our, our study or understanding of mm-hmm. of the theology of Christ. And so that w- would be everything from his virgin birth to his divine and human natures to the nature of the atonement. And so when we talk about then a, a Christological reading of the Old Testament, you know, the fact that Jesus takes them through the Old Testament to show how all of those things are pointing to him, mm-hmm. to the necessity of his work, to the uniqueness of his person. You know, you think about David and the prophets, David as king, the prophets that were there, the, the priests, all of them were in some ways foreshadowing or anticipating Christ but were insufficient or inadequate for what the people really needed. And so it was awakening this desire of if only we had a king who, Mm -hmm. if only we had a priest who, if only we had a a prophet who could. And Jesus then is the fulfillment of all of those things. And, And I think that's important because many Christians that I talk to when they go to the Old Testament feel kind of stuck. You know, they're like, well, I don't know how to make sense of these weird minor prophets or, man, the book of Leviticus, what's going on with that? But if we look at it with the lens of Christ that says, what is this telling us about who Jesus is, what he came to do? Now, I want to be clear. We're not looking for like hidden Jesus in every passage, you know, this kind of allegorical sense that there's a hidden meaning in every story but rather that the general focus of the Old Testament is pointing us to who Jesus would be and what he would sure. do for us. Good. All right, speaking of the Old Testament, if I was reading ahead appropriately as to what's on the schedule coming up, there's a sizable book in the Old Testament that we're going to dive into and try to accomplish in 45 minutes <laughs> in this coming week. What, what do we have coming up? Absolutely. So Trent Rogers is going to be preaching for us this coming week, which I'm really excited about. I haven't uh, been able to have Trent preach for us since I arrived here at Grace. And so he's going to tackle the book of Job in a single message. <laughs> wow. But the, the reason behind that is, as we walk through the book of Philippians, one of the things that we highlighted was this idea of joy in the journey, that in the midst of suffering, Suffering, that we can have joy, which is a, a settled assurance that God in his character and in his plan is working out good things, even when they don't feel good to us. Mm. And so in some ways, that then is a lens for us to use to lay over the book of Job. Because if you ever studied the book of Job, it's, it's a tough book. Yeah. But that if we look at it through this lens of what we've already been learning in the book of Philippians, we begin to see these themes of, of humility and submission Uh, these themes of what it means to be a righteous sufferer and to put God in his proper place in the midst of that suffering. I think Trent's going to just really help us to see this big picture, kind of the 30,000 foot view of how this book of Job helps us to understand and worship God better. Awesome. Jen, will you uh, close us out with uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 4 through 10, and then I'll, uh, I'll end us up. 4 through 10? 4 through 10. Okay. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated, seated 
us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of words, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Thank you. Tim, it's been great to be back with you this week on Digging Deeper in Grace um, and discussing what we've learned from Luke chapter 24. Uh, listener, you can ex- access Grace's sermons and podcast episodes on demand uh, by visiting us at gracecedarville.org. That's gracecedarville.org. And by clipping, clicking the media tab. You'll find it there underneath the media tab at gracecedarville.org. We also encourage you to share your questions and even your comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. Well, plan to join us this next installment of Digging Deeper in Grace. And uh, thank you again for tuning in this week's episode. God bless and keep growing in grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.